Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to The Reset with me, Sam Delaney. Mental health chat without the usual bollocks. My guest this week is Luke Ambler, former rugby league player for Ireland and Leeds Rhinos, award-winning campaigner and founder of the brilliant Andy's Man Club. Luke founded the club in his hometown of Halifax in 2016 after the suicide of his brother-in-law, Andy. Luke believed that if Andy had felt more able to speak openly about his struggles and his feelings, then he wouldn't have taken his own life. There are now over 40 Andy's Man Clubs across the UK. They meet every Monday night at 7pm and are just a place for normal blokes to chat about their lives in a relaxed environment with no judgments and no bullshit. As I told Luke in our chat, I was really inspired by both him and my visit to an Andy's Man Club back in 2018 and their approach has been a really big influence on what I'm doing with The Reset. The club's motto is, it's all right to talk. Luke is a great talker, as you're about to find out. I hope you enjoy listening to our chat. Luke Ambler, welcome to The Reset. How you doing, mate? Good, mate. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Oh, it's a real pleasure. It's a real pleasure because you're the expert, mate. There's a lot of, or not enough, but there is different types of support out there for people who have issues with mental health or addiction or all these other issues. But the way that you and Andy's Man Club approach it, it, it boils down to a different way of communicating, doesn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. I think you know we we put tags on stuff, categories, don't we? You know, like mental health support, uh, drug and alcohol support. I think what Andy's Michael is just like life support. It's just like you don't have to be suicidal, you don't have to have mental health, you don't have to have a drug problem. You're just struggling with life, and it's just about learning to better come and just talk about that type of stuff. Whether that's within Andy's Mankle, by my own my own personal work that I do, you know, I've just been it's really relevant now. I've just got back from working weirdly with a lot of blokes, actually. Uh, Guys who work on the roads digging, and we just we just did a little workshop, um, just just about expressing herself, uh, and it, it was completely different to AMC, but the principles are, are the same, or the feelings that them guys had after that they've worked with some of these people together for twenty years and, and hadn't known some of the stuff that they got into today, which which were real powerful, and they said that it's just in you know twenty years working for a council. You don't see, they don't, they often feel like support is a poster or a leaflet where actually sitting down and getting nitty gritty with people in your workforce and just communicate as simple as that might sound. 
um, as vulnerable as you've got to become and, and as difficult as it can at first seem, it's powerful, man, real powerful. Luke, when you sit down with blokes like that, and I know, you, you know, also you, you've done a lot of work in prisons and stuff, yeah. you know, you're dealing with blokes who it's not really part of their personality or their culture to open up about feelings. It's not easy. How do you do it when you sit down with these guys for the first time? Because they must be resistant, a lot of blokes. Yeah, I think I'm, I I explain it weirdly. I explained this to the group today when I first started because a lot of the stuff out there I do around mindset, stress, mental well-being. And I, and I give them a story straight away about when I were a rugby player and we used to have people come in and speak and how you might, you know, straight away there's a few things going through your head like, you know, what's this shit going to be about today? Um, you know, you maybe don't give you full attention because you're not really that arse. It's just a tick box and all these stuff. I says, but who in here has got a bottle to stand up now and, and and do this for the next two hours? And everyone went, no, not me. So exactly. So that's what I've realised like, since I've started doing this, you know, that you've got to have that, you know, it takes a little bit of courage to be able to stand up eventually, to be vulnerable. So by saying that straight away, they, they, they realise that you're just one of them. This is yeah. just... A lot like us who were once sat here, now he's actually just he's just actually leading it, but he's just a normal geezer, um, which then takes away any stigmas of a guy in a suit or some guy who thinks he's better than everyone. They're not actually a normal bloke, just like us. Um, and there's a reason why I do that. And then I'll, I'll probably open up and I, and I do swear a little bit. It's just my nature, you know, I'll talk about shit we've been through and, and stuff like that. And then I'll give them a little bit about me so that they realise, oh, actually, he's been through a bit as well. Um, by this point then, like anyone would be, they've got some common ground with me. And that's how we end up building relationships with anyone, right? We, we have a common ground, a common theme that we're interested in. And because then they realise, actually, this guy's the real deal. He's not someone here just to tick a box or to have a paycheck or whatever. He's actually genuinely interested in, in helping us or in helping me out because it's always about that individual. And actually, he's all right. And then, and then that resistance is never really there, even when I've been in prison and I've worked with you know gang members who have got no nowhere near this sort of life you know, I, I've had nowhere near the sort of life that they've had or the upbringing. But I just believe it's breaking down the barriers to connect on a human level because behind everyone's facade, whether you're a doorman or a engineer or whatever title you've got or tagline you've got, we are all at a root cause. We all eat, we all shit, we all sleep, and then we all try to provide and protect as families. Um, and we all just want to be loved and have some security, don't we? So when you get on that level with people, you realise that we're all just human beings. Um, yeah. I, I know from speaking to you before, there was a time when you were very different to the man I'm talking to today in yeah. terms of your ability to open up, admit vulnerability. What were you like back it back in the day? I think that's important what you just said there because I think the way I view things now, like people often talk about like what you can control and, uh, you know, worrying and, and stuff like all, all this type of stuff. Like everything I am today, I've built, like it's took, it's took some digging off some weeds um, because people are afraid to dig weeds up because it's, it's a little bit more, it's a lot harder work. Uh, we like as men or as human beings to find the easy option because, you know, that's what that's what we've been great at with things like creating things like Amazon and where you can get food delivered to your house that day now or you can get next day delivered on pretty much anything you want in the world. You can have at the touch of a button. So we've been good at human beings at, at creating ease, but with creating ease has also created some uncomfort because we now don't know how to deal with a lot of the stuff that take a little bit more time. So I've spent a long time going back and, and really reflecting. I think that's a big, big word, a big, big uh, task that people need to do an activity reflect on what's gone wrong in your life 
where, what you can improve on and, and, and going back, you know, and there's been a variety of stuff that's happened in my life that has led up to a series of events that has led to me being, I guess, who I am today. And I'm still on, on a journey now, even like pushing boundaries even further now, like seeing a big question I'm living by at a minute is like, what are you capable of? And it's a question that, that I don't know if it came up somewhere before or I heard it on a podcast or what it were, it, it, it were actually just someone talking about what they do think fitness wise and the question came like what are you capable of because in the past you know I was a, a worrier I was someone who always focused on what I couldn't control I was quite an emotional person uh, internally you know how I responded to things yeah, I had a mum who had a car crash uh, that left her with uh, a mental illness where she has drop attacks from you know I comfort it which put on weight and there's you know you're getting name called at school bullying whatever you want to call it and all these stuff um you know accumulation of, of things uh, of events but but every single one as that has happened has taught me something positive because i do believe in our hardest times come our best lessons i don't want to be cliched and come up with like sound bites here but i genuinely believe that that like our hardest times create our best lessons same with you like your best article you've ever wrote or something good that's happened it didn't actually teach you much. Uh, you actually learn when when someone said, "Oh, it's not really good." This, you know, is that you know, come on, it's shit. This or like when you were, you know, you had your drug and alcohol problem. Like you learn probably more then with the people you're surrounding yourself with, the habits you were getting into, the choices you were making. That you now want to get yourself away from them, and now you're building up those positive habits and you're doing the good things. But you learn a lot, don't you? And I think the ones who end up kicking on most and, and, and protecting that thing, most important asset we've got, that, that thing called his brain between his ears, are those ones who are, who are willing to continually learn um, and grow, ultimately. Was there a turning point, though, where you first started looking into this stuff and you first were attracted to the idea of digging up the weeds, as you say? Yeah, do you know what? We I got into a personal development at a very young age. I like to call it personal development because I think we call it mental health a lot, which is good. But mental health mindset, they're pretty much similar. Right? If you have a good mindset, usually he takes care of your mental health. Mm. Um, before anyone gets triggered by that, there is another thing called mental illness, um, which is very different. My mum has a mental illness. Um, as a result of a mental illness, she ended up with some poor mental health, which led to uh, depression and anxiety. But usually if you can help put stuff in place, it helps you, doesn't it, with your anxiety and depression. But for me, a turning point, we're obviously learning about mum's mental illness. There are a lot of stigmas going back 20 years. Um, someone having drop attacks, depression, anxiety, didn't they leave her house? You know, there are a lot of stigma then, even some of the stuff I probably didn't believe because I didn't understand it. Mm. So that that led to a, a journey of looking to it. Um, and then obviously, when um, I got let go from Lee Drynos, I, I had a bit of a, a plummet myself. And I won't say I was depressed, because I think it, it's quite easy to say that now, isn't it? That we're depressed or we're anxious. I was a natural born worrier, as that's what my, my nana used to call me, my little Irish nana. He's a worrier, he's Luke, he's a natural born worrier, which nowadays you just people would say that you're an anxious person, wouldn't they? Yeah. Um, and I ended up with some low mood, you know, some overthinking. You know, I'd got let go from Leeds, I'd started eating loads again and drinking, sleeping around. Mrs. had left me uh, and I will try to fill a void. And then it, it was just a, a moment of madness on a night out um, where I had a realisation that I needed to turn the why me uh, mentality into what's next and, and stop focusing on the victim side of what's happened and start focusing on the lessons and what, what you can do about this. And that's where it all really stemmed from me. And now, like, that's how I live my whole life. No matter what happens, um, good or bad, like, what can I do about it? What, what genuinely can I do about it? Um, and I think people say uh, control the controllables, but it's more of a saying as opposed to an action. I like to um, 
you know, back that up. So, you know, when Andy killed himself, um, which were horrific for my family, though, what's next? What kind of control was? Let's stop other families going through what ours have been through. And the only way to do that is by stopping other guys uh, not talking like Andy did. And that's where that, that mission started. Um, but it's always been from that real belief of that suffering I went through myself to build up that mindset to say, okay, what can you do about it? Um, same with the, the pandemic, you know, we and you spoke just as we came on about how people, some people have really struggled, some people have really thrived, you know, some people have, you know, I've, I've just survived and some people have thrived and I'd put myself in thrive category, um, but that wouldn't have been what I'd have predicted if someone had told me uh, a year and a week ago that the world's about to shut down from being someone who's always really busy, I'm, I'm away a lot, I stop in hotels, I go around doing what I love, that boom, suddenly overnight you have to just... Stop doing what you love. Stop going around speaking, delivering workshops. So you don't can't go in prison anymore. You can't go into schools anymore. You can't go into businesses. Turn your laptop off. Go sit in your house for next year nearly. I'd have been like, what? But I realised that when I go to prisons, I, I managed to convince prisoners that in their 23 hours a day, locked in a little cage, in a cage in essence, little room, that there's things that they can still do to, to protect themselves in terms of mentally and physically, spiritually. So I had to take some of that on. So... You know, I, I took that on and, and got myself a real rigid fitness plan and I've lost over, you know, 20 kilograms. I'm fittest I've been, even fitter than I was when I played rugby. You know, I'm fitter, I'm stronger, I'm, I'm healthier than I've ever been. Um, just by that simple thing of, like, what can you do about this? And I ain't to brag and to say, oh, God, look at me. Um, because don't get me wrong, there's been times when it's been harder in lockdown as well. But I think if you can put your focus mainly into that area of what can you do, and you get an appreciation each day of what is going well, the fact that I did get time with my kids as stressful as it was trying to homeschool like it would have been for everyone else. Like, that, that's over now. Like, they're at school now today, and, you know, that's a bit emotional, actually, looking back, thinking that time that we had, which we'll probably never get again in human history, is has gone like you know we got some real quality time didn't we the one asset yeah. we'll buy more of um one thing though uh, about about it is mate is that i can tell there are, there are a lot of things about when you talk about yourself to remind me of me and that i'm a warrior so i was a warrior right back when i was young for various reasons and um that fed into probably why i became a drinker and and got into drugs because i just wanted to to numb that constant sort of hum of like anxiety that kind of follows you around everywhere but also another thing that i've that i've struggled with and i try to overcome is the need to be constantly busy to be energized and to be doing stuff all the time and that's the balance is that when you talk about what's next i get that because it stops you from dwelling on yourself navel gazing pity and getting stuck in the past but isn't there also a risk in that, mate? Like in terms of you, you, you throw yourself into things so headfirst, you're always looking to the horizon and you, you almost don't give yourself enough time to chill. Do you ever struggle with that? Yeah, pre-COVID, definitely. Uh, I felt it slipping back in a little bit lately when world's starting to reopen somewhat. Um, so over COVID, I sort of developed another question like what now? Um, and although that what now don't mean like what have I got to change now? It's like what's happening right now? Be present. Don't lose the lessons that you've... I was very fortunate when the world opened last time round that, that my world still didn't. So when my missus, when it did go back in lockdown, my missus was like, right, we'll start. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. nothing's changing for me again. I'm still going to train every day. I'm still going to do my like what I've been doing every day because lockdown never really ended for me last time because I wasn't allowed to go back to work and do what I do. So I really enjoyed that time. 
you know, I've got a little camper van and I were off a lot. Like I just sat on top of hills or parking above a mountain and climbing a mountain or whatever we were legally allowed to do at that point. Yeah. Cold water swimming, all this stuff, this freedom stuff. So now I want to make sure, me and my old man were just chatting about this yesterday, that whatever work I take on now, it, it's purely... Um, still fits around what, what what I learned in this last lockdown that I can use. So like the fact that I can go do the school runs, the fact that I get more time with my kids. When I am home, I still need to be better at this, but being present. So like tonight when I do get home, I've had a big, big day uh, working today and I've still got lots more to do. But when I do get home, phone off, just be present with the kids the best I can. Um, Cause that's what we learned in lockdown, didn't we? About being present. Um, we have got more time on his hands. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it's, it's not getting too caught up. It's easy to get in that rat race. So it's easy to get in that, that busy cycle. Um, but I think you're right. I think it's not, it's not about spending your life being busy, is it? It's about, um, you know, spending it with those who matter and, and doing the things that you love. Um, so no, I completely agree with that. I think that's definitely one of the biggest lessons to come out of COVID is yes. What's next when something bad happens, but then when things are going good and, and, and you're in a place like what now, what, what, what's happening right now? Make sure you're present, make sure you, continuing to ground yourself one thing that when we first met and i interviewed you for for a piece in the guardian and we met king's cross and we met in a bar a couple of years ago at least and one thing that i don't think i wrote about the piece but and you probably won't remember but that has always lived with me is you were trying to explain your approach to life to sort of stay on top of things and and look after yourself mentally and spiritually every day and in the middle of it I think I picked up a glass and it just broke in my hand. I can't remember why. And water went everywhere. Oh, yeah. And and without saying, it was quite a crowded bar. And I was like, fucking hell. I was about to go, Jesus, what's happened here? What a nightmare. I mean, it was really weird. The bottom of the glass just fell out. And you stood up without saying anything very quickly, grabbed a roll of paper and cleaned it all up. And then within seconds, it was just done, done with. You'd thrown the stuff in the bin and no one noticed. And you went, that's what I'm talking about. Keep life simple. When a problem happens, don't sit around thinking, oh, no, why has this happened? Oh, shit, what am I going to do? Right? And I think about that a lot, mate. I think about the way in which you just sort of fuss-free dealt with the spillage and the glass everywhere. Just got. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm a bit, and I think... God, that is such a metaphor for life. I love that story. And you know what? I think because that sort of stuff happens, I probably, I remember the glass breaking, but I probably wouldn't have thought because it had been habitual just to, yeah. you've reminded me of a story. Uh, and I've not thought about this for, for ages because it's never really been a story. Uh, 
me and my missus had the kids in the car and we were driving from our house to Castleford uh, last year sometime. And uh, my missus had a blowout while she was driving in third lane up motorway. And obviously, yeah. a bang, but it were a run flat, but still it, it sort of like banged um, tyres flat. So naturally, you panic in third lane, aren't you? And you just made me laugh because, and she laughed about this as well. I um, quickly said, it's okay, I've got it. And indicator left, check wind mirror, moved her over, indicator left, checked over, pulled yeah. it, got out. Whilst she was getting out of the car, I've Googled nearest tyre centre. I've swapped round car, gone, got in. She's got in passenger seat. So what are you doing? I said, 1.6 mile, next junction. There's a tyre place, bang, round, got the tyre done. We're off on way. And she, and even she were like, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I don't, it's not, you don't always get it right. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not like trying to say, but I think it, it's, it's, I find it harder to sit and talk about what could have gone wrong. My daughter, yeah, she got uh, put under anaesthetic and my two-year-old because she might have had a raisin up her nose. And it'd be quite easy today to be panicking. Like, what if she didn't wake up? Like, what if this yeah. happened? Like, anxiety's best friend, what if? But like, I, I lower my expectation. I increase my appreciation that someone's going to try to do the best and keep her in best care. And it took five people to restrain her because she's, uh, she's strong like a mom. Um, but uh, they managed to get her to sleep. They've gone up there. She's obviously swallowed raisin. It's gone all the way through right channels. Uh, and she's back out. But like, that's just a simple analogy. Like, yeah, yeah. How we can let stuff eat away at us. And it, it takes a lot, though. I mean, if you're a natural warrior, if you grew up a natural warrior, that's a long way to have come. Because I hear what you're saying, and I really try to do the same because I am awful at speculating. Terrible. Like, the worst moments in my life have always been because one small thing's happened, and I will, my brain will speculate, speculate, what if, what if, what if. And before you know it, one small problem has been inflated in my mind to the end of the world. Yeah. And and I've, I think I'm not nearly as bad as I used to be, but it's a lot of hard work to completely readjust your mindset, isn't it? hundred percent. But it's like, but the way I say it is, is like you have seen people in your life who were either uh, really slim and have put on muscle, or you've seen people really big and have become lean. That didn't happen overnight, though. Yeah, like, that took a lot of work, a lot of diet, a lot of training, a lot of uh, a lot of thought and process behind that. And that's that's like your mind, right? Like it takes time. Um, to a point, of my missus probably thinks that there's some stuff I just don't care about, uh, and probably because I, I don't. Not I think there's there's a level of things that happen in the world. Um, the way I view it is, when my missus uh, was six months pregnant and she got uh, declared critically ill, she had an asthma attack. The only thing that truly mattered in that moment was the fact that I was about to lose my missus and my unborn daughter. That was the only thing that mattered. And when you look back and reflect at that sort of level, and you can remember, I'll, get, I'll just just quickly just flick back. You've been to family funerals or friendly funerals, and you've promised since you've been there, you'll keep in touch with people and that you'll live for, to, you'll live for today. True? Mm, yeah. A week goes past when that pain starts to ease and that lesson you forget. That's why I think it's so important to constantly reflect. So, like, I don't wait till I'm at a funeral anymore. I think I want to do this with my life. So, like, I don't wait for anything. Like, it's just, I just don't see the point because genuinely at any point after this podcast, I could die. So I want my interaction with you to be a good one. So that if that does happen, there is a good piece of, uh, or a good memory for you that we've had a good relationship or whatever that may be. And, like, but back to the missus bit, when you truly think that that's your life, your world, and it might just crumble and be taken from you, like all the little bit of shit don't matter, like a tire blowing out or a glass breaking or like all the stuff. So when I was younger, like, oh my God, what about this? What are people going to think? Oh my God. Even that, like, you know, if your kid screams in the street when you've got a baby, 
I've worked out that like you're not actually worried about your kids screaming because when they scream at home, you don't panic like you're doing street. You're only ever actually worried what other people think about you and how you are as a parent. Yeah. And then you realise that you don't give a fuck what other people think about <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. It doesn't matter because you know you're a good dad. Kids scream. We've all screamed. We've all shit in, in street. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you about how to help people. What's the balance, personally, if people are listening to something and how can I be there for my mates but without stretching myself so thin that I neglect myself? I've sort of changed my approach a little bit. Obviously, there's encouraging people and taking them to places like Andy's Man Club and mm-hmm. giving them tips. Obviously, if it's a real close mate or someone that you know you can comfortably show your vulnerability to so that they can reconnect. Uh, the problem is, is like a lot of time people become attached to things. So if someone becomes attached to you as their support and you're there one day, that can become quite difficult. It's a lot of burden on you. So I think what is it? It's about being there for people, letting them know that you understand. But also I think it's about setting a good example yourself. So, like, are you doing the things to put yourself in the best place possibly mentally and physically so they can use you as a role model? Because people might not always tell you, but people are always watching. Uh, and the way that you deal with things, the way that you execute, the way that you handle business, you know, mentally and physically, spiritually, that rubs off and people see that. Uh, and I think that's important. You know, and I, I found that just through Instagram lately. I've, I started running a lot and I run at stupid times uh, because I have this theory that if self-discipline is a big and patience are two things that are lacking so much in society and self-discipline as a a root to me means doing what you said you'd do even when you don't feel like it every morning i wake up at 5am my alarm goes off to go running and i don't want to go genuinely don't want to go couldn't think of all worse i'm warm in my bed i could know i could still get another hour to sleep but i go because if you win the small battles i do believe it helps you win the war Genuinely, I genuinely believe that. That all those little battles, like, no, nah, I don't do it. Just stay in bed, stay warm, stay comfort. I genuinely believe that they help you win the bigger picture. And then people see this. So they go, well, if he seems as positive as he is, and if he seems as, you know, as um, stable as he is, maybe it's because he's doing this running shit. Maybe it's because he journals. Maybe it's because he speaks to people. Maybe it's because, you know, so I'll try that. So that's one way of being a role model so people can look up to. But also it's just being there. It's just being compassionate and and learning to listen to people without maybe judging or giving advice. Not everyone always wants you to give them advice or your perspective. They'll ask for it if they do. Some people just want you to sit and listen, have a beer with them or have a coffee. That simple at times. I know what you mean. Uh, Learning how to listen is a skill in itself. I am a talker. Right. And and I want to be there for mates. And I come away from I might meet up with a mate who's told me I'm miserable. I want to get it off my chest. And the most common thing I come away with from a meeting, I I try to be a help. But I often come away thinking this, Luke, I feel like I talk too much. I feel like I talk too much. I felt like I offered too many answers or too many bits of advice. And there's something doesn't sit well with that. Do you know what I mean? But I think a lot of blokes in particular have that instinct. So like, oh, don't, don't worry, mate, I'll take this away. I can fix this. I think that's the thing. We always want to fix it, don't we? And I yeah. think people, like, you know, Andy's Man Club, it's not about fixing it, is it? You know, you've been, it's about actually just, just sitting there and, and listening. Yeah. And by sitting there and listening and, and connecting with someone, they realise, actually, I'm, I'm normal. What I'm going through is going to pass. Um, but I, I don't think you've always got to, I think if you start taking over a conversation when someone's trying to talk and you're cutting in on them, that then becomes detrimental. But I don't think necessarily, um, I think you know the person, like you said, your group of friends. Or if there's 12 friends there, six of them, you know you could give advice to six of them just when you sit and listen. It's just finding which suits which one best. Um, with Andy's Man Club, like you say, I've been to one. One of the things I really liked about it 
because I've been to all sorts. I've been to other group meetings. I've been to AA and CA, and it was very different because, uh, and I, by the way, I like those groups too. But what I like about Andy's Man Clubs, like you say, it doesn't, there were some blokes there who, who were going through hell. There were other people who'd been through hell, but were out the other side and were fine, but they just enjoyed it. And there were other people who just had normal day-to-day jobs. They wouldn't, they weren't extreme one way or the other. That was one of the appealing things. The other thing was it, there was a just the right amount of piss-taking going on in the room, which I personally really enjoyed. And I think it's really underrated by people. They don't understand how important that is to the average bloke, right, from an ordinary background, that they no one wants to feel pitied, do they, or patronised. No. And the thing is, in this meeting that I went to, and I took one of my best mates with me, and he loved it too, is that someone would start moaning about something that seemed quite trivial. Like, I remember there was a guy there who's like, he'd had problems with his boiler, right? And when he brought it up, the others were like, oh, fucking hell, not the boiler again. Please yeah. don't make us sit through this again. But in a way, that generated a nicer, a better atmosphere because you think, oh, this isn't all hand-wringy and we're all, like, being touchy-feely and we're all... Everyone there was kind and understanding and non-judgmental, but piss-taking was allowed. And things like that with blokes, that sort of humour is important to us, isn't it? Yeah. So, no, and the thing is there, like, um, I think I've been to that Peterborough group at one point and I've right. heard about that boiler. That's <laughs> so, like, <laughs> a legendary story. Yeah. I hope he's got it fixed now. Yeah, and it's <laughs> important that uh, people still... The idea is in the man club that you feel better when you come out and you're going in. And for some people, it's like once you get in a level, you can start to have that bit of banter. And I think, like you say, as long as it stays at a level, yeah, that's exactly where it needs to be, man. Like People think that, that we should cut all banter out. But no, like, I think having a laugh and being fun and, and being you know, uh, excitable, it, 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 it keeps us all going, doesn't it? It does. And I thought, I don't want people to think that's the spirit of the meetings. It's not. But I'm just saying there's a hint of that which you don't often get in other sort of group sharing situations. And that's what makes it work so well for, for blokes, I think. We're up to uh, 20, sorry, 41 groups now. Right. Yeah, 41 groups, um, which I think when we met, um, we, we two two years ago, when it would have had about yeah. 20 groups. So we've doubled the map. Well, put it this way, we went into lockdown with 28 groups, two full-time staff and one part-time staff. We've come out of lockdown with seven full-time staff. And... Uh, 41 groups plus a big online uh, community now. And so the groups have been going uh, just via Zoom or whatever throughout lockdown? Google Meet, yeah, but now we're we're back open. Every group's back open in person. Right. Right. So people who do want to come who are listening, all you do is email info at andismanco.co.uk and uh, you can get on to to one of our group chats. You you got more in the southeast now, mate, because that was the the problem a couple of years ago. We're we're working on it. We're working on London and southeast Kent. uh, we're Essex so we, we are the team are working on that as we speak do you feel that during these years that you've been doing this work that men in general from your experience are becoming more able to open up and, and are learning the language uh, of mental health and so forth for personal development yeah I think we've still got a long way to go but I think we're, we're miles away from when I first started doing this um, even just going to workplaces you see that it's it's getting better so I think it's definitely definitely improving what about when you say to a mate, are you all right? You might drop him a text or say to him, you see him, are you all right, mate? Because you might have a sense that he's not or you know something's happened or you can just tell. And that mate's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Because that's what 
I would say the majority of blokes do. They're not going to first straight off the bat go, no, I'm fucking miserable. What's your approach to that? Have you got any advice to that? I think it's uh, being ready for that, isn't it? It's a difficult one, like, because I think some people don't know, like you were talking about before, don't know how to respond to stuff like that. I think it's just uh, questioning. I think questioning's huge. You know, you know, why, why are you feeling like that, mate? You know, is all I can do to help? Um, do you want to go out for a, a walk or um, do, do you want to have a chat? And maybe opening the door like that so that, you know, because it can be a bit daunting for you when you've sent that and someone's put that on you. You can feel like, oh, shit, don't know what to say now. But I think by putting those leading questions in, you alleviate some of that pressure back to them and then they can, you know, then they can offload that, some of that stuff that's maybe going on to make them feel that way. And what are the plans going forward? Just more growth, more more Andy's Man Clubs across the country? Yeah, I think we're stable now uh, in the office with, with with the people we've got in place at where they need to be. And we've got, you know, I think there's 10 or 11 new groups in the pipeline down here. We've got full-time guy in Scotland now. I think he's got five or six groups ready to go up there. So it's just to keep keep giving guys a platform where they can feel comfortable to go in a non-judgmental environment and open up and talk. And, you know, the idea is, is that we'll be half an hour to an hour's drive away from anyone in this country. And who knows, maybe maybe get abroad, get overseas. And, you know, suicide's a worldwide problem, isn't it? Maybe we can uh, do a job uh, overseas too. And, and obviously, I know that, you know, one of the key simple things is just to cut down the suicide rate amongst men in this country. Um that's a big one. It, it, it remains, a, you know, this is an epidemic, isn't it? It's the, I think it remains the biggest killer of men under 40 or under 45. Is that right? Yeah, which is madness, isn't it? That you're more likely to die by, by yourself than, than any other way. So I think that's a, a big key. That's, uh, you know, bring, reducing those suicide rates. I think we'll, you know, we'll start to see um, that happening, but it's going to be a while yet, you know, which is tragic. It's going to be a lot more pain before we get to that point. Um, but we're going to just keep trying to do our bit. In, in helping you know we know that we've saved thousands of lives because these guys have told us we've had wives crying you know on phone calls and that the group has saved life our dad's still dropping kids off at school and and pulling people from groups saying that this group you know has saved my life i want to be in this playground dropping my son off if it weren't for the group so we know it's working we just need to make it more accessible to people and what about you mate uh you personally you you know we touched on it earlier in the chat but do you feel that like like you're achieving the balance that that you want in your life more now than ever before uh, i'm i'm getting in a real good rigid routine of up early training uh breakfast with the kids school runs if then if i've got work going to do whatever i'm delivering that day back home tea with kids and then i, and then I lift on a night um and, and then i get an early night and i've been a real solid and i read every night now solid routine so i've got all these things in inside uh in my little life and activity pack that I'm doing my little toolbox for my own health that, that I'm just ticking off each day just to make sure that I'm, I'm in the best version of myself so I can give, give the best energy to everyone I meet and that I don't burn out. Luke, um, it's, it's incredible what you've done over these last years and uh, it's a pleasure, honoured to speak to you again. You've had, you did, you've had a big influence on me and the stuff that I'm trying to do with the reset and uh, an and influence on loads of people in their life. So I'm grateful. Thanks for speaking to me and, and thank you for everything you've done. No, mate, thank you. And thanks for giving us this platform to, to share and hopefully, you know, um, this can keep going from strength to strength uh, like Andy's Man Club and we can uh, keep helping people reset her. Eh?
Yeah, seven o'clock, Monday night. Look it up. Andy's Man Club, you will find your local club. And I can recommend it, whatever state of mind you're in. Get down there. You'll probably make some new pals. It's a good laugh. 100%. I remember. It's okay to talk. That's right. There you have it, Luke Ambler, a man who's done so much to change the way we talk to blokes about mental health in this country. Yes, he's smart and passionate and articulate, but also I think it helps that he's a former rugby league pro from Yorkshire. He's a tough bloke, but a tough bloke with the courage to open up about his feelings. We should all take a leaf out of his book. And do try to pay a visit to your local Andy's Man Club if you can. It's not the usual jargon-heavy environment you'd expect from a group-sharing setup. Plus, there's free tea and biscuits, so really, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Thanks for listening, as always. Subscribe to the newsletter if you haven't already, samdelaney.substack.com. And remember, don't let the dickheads get you down. Ta-da! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.